1: Welcome, everybody, to the Water Relief podcast. This is the fifth episode. This has been one that I've been looking forward to doing for a very long time. Um, I've finally gotten a, gotten hold of, of Jake Fishman, and I've finally gotten him here long enough yeah. to be able to have him on the podcast. So it is my honor to introduce a left-handed, sidewinder, Uh, Team Israel legend, um, best name on the Marlins, Jake Fishman. How are you doing? Doing
0: good. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So you were born in Massachusetts a day after my birthday. Really? We're a day apart. Five years apart, but a day apart. Yeah. Um, You were drafted by the Blue Jays in the 30th round in 2016 take me through what the feeling of getting
0: drafted is like uh it's pretty crazy to be honest you know um for me it was a hectic few days because i didn't know what was going to happen um you know i heard from a few scouts that maybe it could be in the you know early 10 to 12th round range um and you know on that last day those rounds are flying by so um you know, the 10th and 12th round went by very quickly, and then I was like, wow, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen, and eventually I got a phone call um, from the Blue Jay scout that that signed me, and um, it's just overwhelming joy is uh, is the feeling that I got.
1: So you spent much of your time since then in the minor leagues, different than the Blue jay system and the Marlins system, but... A lot of people might not know this, you went and got Israeli citizenship to play for Team Israel in the Olympics. I wanna start there, because to me, that's incredible. What was that process like, and what went into the decision to do that?
0: Yeah, so um, that process, it was was pretty lengthy. Um, A lot of documentation and getting documents ready. Um, a lot of planning from you know Team Israel to gather all these teammates bring them over to Israel and get them their citizenship and uh, I mean they did a, they did a phenomenal job um, of helping us do that and uh, it was just an, an incredible experience to be honest to, to be able to go to Israel, spend eight days there with some of my teammates, some of my Team Israel teammates and explore Israel. And we did, um, a lot of, you know, coaching, uh, baseball there for kids. And that was, that was, you know, a big portion of it because baseball in Israel is basically non-existent It's growing because of a lot of the work that we did, but there's one field in all of Israel, now there's two fields because of you know a lot of the fundraising that Team Israel has done. They were able to build a new field and um, you know help grow the game of baseball there. So,
1: so you might not know this. Um, a lot of people might not know this, but there was a league in Israel in 2007. My father was actually the president of the league. Wow! Um, like there, there were teams like the Petach Tikva Pioneers, the Modi <laughs> Miracle, and I remember going to Israel that season. And those, they were played on, like, back backyard fields. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, minimums, the minimal stands that there were were packed with people. Wow. And it's, I've always wanted to see how, how much it, baseball could grow in Israel because I feel like it could explode. Um, did you guys climb Masada when you guys went to Israel? Yeah, yeah. we did, yeah. How was that?
0: It was good. We we actually we took the short route up. <laughs> the uh, the long way up was I uh, can't remember it. I might have been closed the uh, the the day we went, but yeah, we did.
1: Um, so you went to the Olympics. What's it like being in, involved in the whole opening ceremonies? Having to, getting to walk down with the, everybody from the country. And, how is that? What is that like?
0: It's insane. <laughs> it's exactly, you know, what you would imagine it to be. It's it's very surreal. And, uh, you know, you're spending a lot of time with other athletes that have also trained their entire lives to get to where they are and to compete at the highest level of sports. There is a mutual respect between you and everybody else that's also in the village because you just know how hard everybody else has worked and it's a it's a pretty cool feeling
1: so uh you describe those games as the most intense games of your life why
0: uh it's just raw baseball you know it's so it's baseball in its purest form because there's no other factors other than you just have to win this game you know there's no political aspect there's no money involved it's like you just have to win, and everybody's going 110%. And I swear, you know, I, I saw some of the best plays I've ever seen in my life, some of the most clutch hitting, and you just get that internal gut feeling of this is insane.
1: <laughs> so along those lines, uh, who was the hardest hitter you faced in the Olympics?
0: Ooh. That's a good question.
1: Wait, wait, I'll extend it to the World Baseball Classic also because you've also played the World Baseball Classic. Um,
0: so I, I was just a reserve in the 2017 WBC team, so I didn't end up uh, uh-huh. pitching for them. Um, but
1: it's a failure on my research team.
0: No, <laughs> no um, I mean, it was it was fun to face Jose Batista. That's for sure. I mean, he he's very old at this point, but he's still got it, and he ended up walking it off on us um, in the last the last inning, but, uh, yeah, I'd say he's probably the best.
1: What athlete from which country and playing which sport did you find to be the most interesting person that you met at the Olympics? Hmm.
0: That's a good question. Um, I don't think I can honestly pinpoint it to a single athlete, but for me, just... Going in the weight room and hanging out there and just like watching what everybody's doing was very interesting to me because so many different countries have different training tactics and, and tools and you have people working on their routines there, whether it's, you know, um, there's just so much that's going on in the weight room. It's, like, it's very interesting to watch what people are doing from other countries.
1: So um this year uh, marks the fiftieth anniversary of the seventy two Olympics in Munich where that was obviously a terrible uh, incident that happened. when you played for team Israel was that ever dis- was that was that ever brought up? Did you guys ever talk about it or in any way about what happened in Munich?
0: Yeah, I mean, we definitely talked about it um, we went to an olympic um um uh, building, I'm blanking on the name of it, but where, you know, a lot of Olympic athletes train, and they did, they had a, uh, they brought us through, like, this little, you know, presentation and um, obviously walked us through what happened that day, um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we did talk about it, and obviously we remember um, what happened, and,
1: yeah. So, on a lighter note, um, <laughs> what was it like playing for Eric Holtz and Nate, Nate Fish? It was great, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next World Baseball Classic is here this year. Um, you got any plans?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I'd love to play. I know they're working through their, um, their list of people that they want to get, and uh, they're starting you know, with the top big leaguers. So I know that they're working down, and um, you know, hopefully I'll get a phone call.
1: So if, if you do end up uh, going to the event, how does that affect your preparation for the season? does it uh, make you start earlier do you, does it get in the way do you completely change everything
0: it's a good question um i feel that my current preparation will put me in a pretty good position to be ready for the wbc um maybe i'll start you know i'll start throwing bullpens a little bit earlier just so i'm a little bit more fine-tuned uh, come that time but We'll, uh, we'll definitely have faced enough batters by then um, in spring training to feel ready to go. So
1: um, so now you're back here in the, in the major leagues. As you approach the major leagues again, what are you looking to improve on? That's a
0: good question. Um, definitely I'd like to work on just the mental side of the game. It's a lot different up here, obviously, than being in AAA. New environment, new teammates, Um, definitely helps that a lot of the Jumbo Shrimp guys are up here too still, Um, but, you know, just my mental preparation in the bullpen, getting ready, you know, checking out the heat maps and looking at what everybody's weaknesses are, and, uh, you know, you, you, after I had my debut and pitched against the Mets, you have this big awakening, you're like, wow, okay. I definitely understand what i need to do and i feel like it's better preparation
1: so when you take them out when you trot out there to one of the best walk-up songs in the league, we'll get to (laughs) that in a moment um does does the manager in this case don manly does he like advise you on what he's looking for or does he say here you go talk to the catcher get going uh
0: depends most of the time pretty much all the time it's just here's what the situation is first and second two outs go get them and then you'll talk with your catcher um but you know sometimes like hey looking for a ground ball here um and yeah that's usually what they'll what they'll say as jake fishman makes his major league debut fishman checks the runner at second now the 1-1 to Lindor. it's chopped toward third leblanc has it steps on the bag inning over and Fishman gets the job done.
1: So after an outing, um, how much, how much uh, tape do you want? How much do you go into the tape and, and the charts and all the stats? How much do you go into that after, after an outing?
0: Depends on the outing, to be honest. Um, but generally, I'll go back and I'll watch the outing, mostly um, to see if my pitches were located where I thought they were. Because a lot of times you'll be like, wow, I thought that pitch, you know, that was a really good pitch. And you'll go back and you'll watch it and it's over the plate <laughs> down the middle. And you're like, okay, clearly that was not in the, the right spot. Uh, but, yeah, definitely I'll, uh, I'll take some time and, and sift through what happened after the outing.
1: Three more baseball questions and then I'll get to the fun stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a question from one of the other Fish Stripes guys. Um, what do you see as your strengths and weaknesses as a pitcher, and how do you capitalize on those strengths and eliminate those weaknesses?
0: It's mm. a very good question. Um, so my, to me, my strengths are definitely being able to get a lot of ground balls with my sinker, and um, you know this. I have a new slider this year, so it's it's definitely been a process working through how that plays and what that's good for. Um, but you know, I feel like it's really helped me against righties. So, um, and that kind of plays into what my weakness is against righties. Oftentimes they'll be hanging out over the plate ready for that sinker. So having the slider able to come in on their hands has been super helpful this year. It kind of keeps them honest at the plate so they can't just, uh, sit sinker. Um, so, Yeah, and and obviously, definitely strength is lefties in general. (laughs) Just the way I throw and the way my pitches move, um, they tend to have a very tough time. Checking the runner at first, Herrera, the 1-2, sinker, swung at and missed, inside on the hands, and Allen goes down, swinging at strike three. 0-2 to Terrain. Swing and a miss, breaking ball downstairs, strike three. One ball, two strikes against Henderson and the pinch. Slider waved at him missed well out in front.
1: You have a very wacky delivery. <laughs> um, what what facilitated that? Had had that come about, that 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 s- kind of submarine-ish sidearm uh delivery, how did that start?
0: Um, so I had a pitching coach in high school named Tom Landry and I was always you know I always had like a sidearm low three-quarters delivery and he he you know kind of guided me towards that and turning away from the batter to get some better hip shoulder separation and then fast forward to the minor leagues uh, you know just kind of developed on it and once I hit triple-a uh, we were using the new big league baseballs, which is different than the minor league baseballs. So they actually move differently. And I found that lowering my arm slot to more of like a sidearm uh, gave it a lot more sink. And I was like, okay, I mean, if the, the ball's moving like this, how can, I, how can I not keep going with it? And ever since then, it's just been more of a... Uh, we've, <laughs> we've had debates with it. Sidearm or low three-quarters, and uh, I think we decide on sidearm.
1: So um, you said that um, you have the new slider. So it kind of already answers this question ahead of time, but the, the second part of the question is the one I really want to ask. So how do you compensate for lack of fastball velocity, and did you have any soft-tossing roll, roll models that you try to emulate?
0: It's mm. a good question. So, you know, Although my fastball is really only 88 to 90, um, there's been a lot of analytics coming out that say even though it's slow, it's moving so much that it grades, you know, they have have movement grades and all this stuff. Um, So the movement grade on it is pretty good, um, just because it has so much sync and and run to it. Um, But... You know, you got to have more than one pitch, especially if you're throwing 88 to 90, like you said. Uh, so d- really developing that new slider was a huge help. Prior to what I used to throw in the past was uh, called a gyro slider. So it didn't really have much movement. It kind of just went straight and a little bit down. Um, and I switched it to a sweeping slider. And now it's on the other end of the spectrum where it's getting maximum, uh, maximum movement and the velocity is a little bit slower.
1: Okay, so now I'll get into the fun stuff and relax a little. <laughs> okay. Um, so Stephen O'Gert a couple months ago, um, showed me some T-shirts that you made. <laughs> what, what, what's the story behind those shirts?
0: I had a teammate. I won't, I won't specify any names, but uh, they called me the Goliath Grouper. And...
1: For those who don't know. The Goliath Grouper uh, used to be called the Jewfish, yes, <laughs> because of its long nose. Um, I, for one, find it hysterical. There were people that didn't really like that being called it, so they changed the name to Goliath Grouper. Now the shirts are, and I'm hoping I can get a picture of it. Um, I think I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a design of a goliath grouper with the with the yarmulke on and the and the star what went into that designing that and that idea
0: Um, no they just called me the goliath grouper and an image popped in my head and i was like it would be funny if we had a t-shirt um it's basically a jacked goliath grouper (laughs) um you know Character, uh, you know, with his yarmulke on, with the Jewish star on it, and it's it's awesome. It's hysterical and it's awesome.
1: (laughs) So, um, you have a YouTube channel. You are known as the IT guy. When did that start? And like, how? What what do you what do you do on this YouTube channel?
0: So I, I uploaded my first video in 2018, and I was just thinking. I'll upload it, see what happens, maybe I'll get a little traction. And the video did pretty decent, got a few thousand views, and then it probably took me about a year, maybe two years to reach a thousand subscribers. And I was like, okay, if I reach a thousand subscribers, you know, you can make some money, you can put ads on your videos. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I'll see if I can do that, just casually uploading videos. And then it just, kept going and kept going and turned into something a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and uh, now I spend my off-seasons making technology videos on mostly MacBook tutorials, but also some gaming stuff in there, too.
1: All right, and then my final question is the one I've been waiting to ask and a lot of people have been waiting to ask. Your walk-up song is the Pokemon theme song. Explain. (laughs) Yeah
0: um I've had that walk-up song since high school um you know I actually had a previous YouTube channel um where I did I made Pokemon videos mm-hmm. way back in the day um and yeah I just loved Pokemon I still love Pokemon I don't play it as much as I used to but um I just felt like I had to keep that walk-up song because it's awesome
1: it's become a hit with, with fans and like when you came out to the mound in that Mets game uh, I was looking around the press box and there were like Louis Durante was, was going like <laughs> this and there were a couple other reporters who were getting yeah. into it everyone was smiling it really just brightened the day yeah um so personally I want to say thank you for coming <laughs> on the podcast um this means a lot to me as as a as a, an Orthodox Jew doing this in this business Um, as a fan of Team Israel and hopefully I will get to see you when you come down for the World Baseball Classic hopefully you stick around here for a little while longer Yeah. Um, thank you so much is there anything before uh, we end off that you want to say to the fans to to any shout outs you want to give
0: yeah I mean I guess I'll shout out my parents obviously Uh, they've supported me a lot and uh, thanks to all my friends and other family members, and yeah, shout out to Miami, definitely.
1: <laughs> All right, thank you so much. This has been the Water Relief Podcast on the Fish Stripes Podcast Network. I'm your host, Noah Berger. We'll be back in the near future with another Mono's Reliever.